0: Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Mary Fons of Quilt Folk. I'm super excited to get to speak with her about why she sews. So, welcome to Why Sew, Mary.
1: Thanks, Jason. It's awesome to talk to some sulky folks. I haven't seen you in a little while, but uh, I'm really fond of, of sulky. You all have been so kind to me. Some of the first, like, awesome people that I met in the industry, you know, Eric, and I just, I just good vibes with Sulky, you guys. Uh, Thank you. you appreciate yeah, I, was, that. I was a spring chicken coming in and anybody who was like, Hey, welcome. You know, I was like, Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it just seems like forever ago too right I, I mean I, I can't even I'm, I'm just trying to think about how far back that goes
1: it's like oh nine 2010 right in there is when I started being on love of quilting more and then Quilty happened in 2010 so that's been crazy <laughs> yeah man I'm getting old I know, same. same.
0: Well, I mean, you know, your name is your last name is sort of synonymous with quilting, but maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners that don't know you perhaps.
1: Sure, sure. Well, um I I'm Marianne Fonz's kid a 42 year old kid at this point but so I grew up you know around quilts and uh I'm a second generation quilter because my grandmother neither grandmother uh made quilts but my mom you know in 19 in the 1970s the quilt revival happened and it's kind right. of like what you know it's just called the great American quilt revival because it's not really totally the case but quilting like during World War II and in the 50s like quilting wasn't as, as it wasn't as prominent as it was, like in the first thirty years of the twentieth century, it was just kind of like people were into like polyester and like you know things. Right, right? And women were at work, and so they weren't sewing during the World War II. Anyway, so so in the seventies, in the sixties and seventies, there was this quilt cool revival. Anyway, my mom, you know, was uh, a mom of you know one and then three little girls. She was living in Iowa with my dad, and you know, around the time of the bicentennial, people were really excited to uh. make quilts. It was a thing, and mom was. One one of those people who Wanted to do it, and she took a class in Winterset, Iowa, where I'm from. It's a small right. town in Iowa, John Wayne's birthplace, and she she walked I in. I didn't and, know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and the bridges in Madison County, you know, okay. that's good county. Yeah, yeah, and so she took a class through the extension office, uh, like uh, some you know, university, maybe uh, in Ames or something. But but she walked in, and Liz Porter was there too. And when Mom and Liz, you know, got to know each other, quilting was just really hot and and they both had you know english degrees in english um and they were pretty good at sewing and people wanted to learn more and so mom and liz started to teach classes and a lot of times they were just like one step ahead you know of their students i know hey, the feeling. Hey. But, but um <laughs> they but they started they built a business and a lot of women did it was an amazing time for you know independent businesses you know georgia bone Steel, a working mother started the first television show on public television about how to make quilts she's amazing and so and eleanor Burns. And so you have all these like really interesting, you know, women, mostly not yeah, all of them, right. building these businesses around quilting and the, the industry as you and I know it, I mean, it just, it did not exist before like the 1980s, but mom and Liz were two really prominent figures in that industry. They started Love of Quilting magazine, which at its height was 350,000 circulations, huge. And then the television show Love of Quilting on public television. So oh, I grew man. up around all this stuff. I know. Right. And books and patterns and notions, all this stuff. So so the empire right the quilting <laughs> empire right so but I didn't make quilts until I was uh 28 because it was wow, so tw- not until I mean, 28 yeah. I, I was just talking <laughs> with somebody else
0: that uh, started pretty late too yeah. uh, that's interesting
1: I it was what mom did for work Jason it was you know it was like she was always under a deadline or she was traveling teaching you know all over the country and and so Hannah and Rebecca my sisters, I'm um, the middle daughter we were doing other creative stuff I I'm a writer for First and foremost, I've always been writing poems and plays, and I have a master's degree in writing from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and so we were doing other creative stuff, but when I was 28, I had a really bad year. <laughs> I, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at a really, oh, no. really I know, it was really, really gnarly. Uh, I was a very late stage, and I had a bunch of surgeries, and they all went really mm. badly. I mean, it was uh. like my complications had complications. I was young, and I, I had just been married, uh like, within, within a few months of walking down the aisle, this stuff all happened. So oh, the marriage fell apart. It was way too much. We shouldn't have been married in the first place. And I was super sick and it was just a terrible time. And that's when I had like what I call my quilt epiphany where I, I kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it was like, I, I realized that when life is a mess, when it's like torn into a million pieces, it's really nice to like tear up perfectly good fabric into a million pieces and sew it back together again, you know, in like a really oh, that's nice a great way.
0: analogy. I love no, that.
1: I, it was like that. And and so that's kind of that's how I started. And and I do, I feel like people come to quilting if they come later in life, like that person you were talking to, and in my case, and even and if you've come to quilt making when you're 60 or old or whatever, people kind of come through like um they have to take a path of joy because they're right. making a baby quilt or they're doing a graduation quilt or something. Or they come because it's you know it's they're going Through something painful you know grief or something like that so I was kind of the I needed healing you could say it's kind of a
0: was was your mom encouraging that and was she she sort of your primary teacher or or did you look elsewhere for that
1: I I was I'm self-taught which is totally weird but when right around the time I started making quilts because I never learned I just never did with my mom and um right around this time, I started having an interest in quilt making mom and Liz sold the business, you know, they were ready to, right. to get out. And, and so when the new owners of the Fons and Porter brand, you know, this big corporate, right. Faceless, yeah, I remember sorry, that. You know. I remember the time. Well, yeah, we were <laughs> right. big advertisers at the That's time. True. So yeah, it's true. Well, they were really worried about Fons and Porter, you know, leaving Fons and Porter. And so they, you know, they heard I was interested in, in quilts now. And it was like, Oh, hmm, mm-hmm. mm, maybe Fonz <laughs> 2.0, like maybe, eh. and they, I mean, I say this, it sounds pretty bitter and, and I'm not, but it's really true. I mean, they totally used me to keep my mom on TV for a while yeah. because mom was super excited and it was super fun to work with her. And so they put me on the TV show, but I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I really didn't, I learned how to make quilts on national television. That is a literal <laughs> fact. And it <laughs> was so fantastic. hard. I know, it was terrible. It was so hard, but it, what's cool is, and some people hated it. I mean, they were so like, oh, I can't learn from this person. Mary weighs her arms too much. Like, this is terrible. It was like I, I replaced somebody on a soap opera, you know? Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you watch the show and I was on for like five years and, and then of course I did Quilty and, you know, you, you see the evolution of a quilter. Like if you right. could watch it on like fast speed, you know, it's awesome. And so some people were like, Mary asks, you know, dumb questions. I'm too advanced for this. And then other people would write in or, or put on Facebook that they love the show now because Mary asks dumb questions. <laughs> And I have those questions too. So I was like, oh, you're welcome. You're literally learning how yeah. to quilt
0: yeah. while teaching how to quilt on yeah. television. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. So,
0: so, I mean, what was like the first thing you made? I mean, was your first memory of starting to quilt literally like in the studio or, or did you start <laughs> that prior to that?
1: I started it prior. Like I got a couple, well, it's nice when you're like part of the quilting mafia, you know, I joke about that. Like when I was like, mom, I want to make a quilt. It was like FedExed you know, overnight, you know, some (laughs) notions. So I have like a rotary cutter, a mat, like immediately there are benefits, you know, but, um, but I, so I, I jumped in and it's interesting, the modern quilters, that, that whole movement and genre and all those people in the community. I've never been a modern quilter. I like scrap quilts. If it's scrappy, I'm happy. Like I need lots and lots and lots and lots of fabrics. And so the solid color thing, I made one solid color quilt and I was like, this is not my thing, but. And you're the the right demographic for that. Totally. It's not not your deal. Yeah it was, it just wasn't my aesthetic or something. But what's cool is that they, they began, like they sort of hatched at the same time I did. So as a, as the modern quilt guild has grown and like had its dramas and its growth and it's whatever, I, I feel like this kinship toward them because it's like, yeah, I get it. Like we both started at the same time. But the reason I mention it is because the first quilt that I made, first couple quilts, there was cool fabric out, like Amy Butler. You know, I was like, yeah. okay, oh, hey, maybe I'm into Amy Butler. And so I got some fabric from a friend who had a bunch of scraps. I had these notions, and I just jumped in. And the first, I, I learned how to make a half square triangle with my mom's like special ruler, uh-huh. and I was so That's excited. Good. So I made a quilt of all half square triangles. I mean, I just kept making them, and it was, you know, it's a cool quilt, but but pretty you still soon, have it? yeah, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of them, but I have that one because it's kind of special. Awesome. But but then pretty soon, I mean, yeah, I was at Iowa Public Television and learning on camera. And the one thing, like I did a lot of things well done a lot of things wrong in my life but the thing that i did right that made the show work was that i didn't pretend to know anything i didn't i wasn't like oh yes and then you so this to that and you know i wasn't fed lines so learning how to do it on tv was not pleasant in many ways like i looked at facebook once literally <laughs> one time i was like okay well that's crushing my soul i'm not going to look at the comments but like i was like so how, why do you do that mom like what is why is what's the difference between this and this and so because i didn't pretend or or you know fake knowing what i was doing It was actually an okay. I mean, ultimately, I was learning, you know. Yeah.
0: Very authentic that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Super cool.
1: The first quote I made, by the way, the very first one I made on my own, I didn't, this is terrible. I haven't said this in public. I don't think, I didn't know you had to press. so i love that though right i mean so
0: many people so many others probably don't know that or didn't know that too so yeah there's always going to be that group of people that are two steps ahead of the teacher you know and and they're looking for the thing that you're doing wrong yeah 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 we know those we know those kinds they they exist everywhere oh yes the police yes So, so, I mean, obviously you identify primarily as a quilter, but do you sew other things as well?
1: No, uh, I don't. I don't sew other things. I'm trying to think if I ever have. I haven't. My other, my other passion or my, you know, it's the quilt history, which I've been doing a lot of uh, which I'd love to talk about at some point, but yeah, the quilt making is my only thing, and I'm into applique hardcore right now instead of piecing. But oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. So now you have a new magazine, right? Or maybe it's not new, but it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing something different now, Quilt quote, quote, yeah. Folk. What, what, yeah. Tell us about that.
1: Well, Quilt Folk, I'm editorial advisor now. I was editor-in-chief of Quilt Folk for four years, but to do other projects that I'm working on right now, they're super cool, all quilt related I stepped down in April to just be editorial advisor for the magazine, because making the magazine, you know, you know, it's just like, it's yeah. just all, it's such a huge job, uh, especially with quilt folk. So quilt folk um, was started in 2016 by Mike McCormick. He's uh, out in Portland, Oregon. And Mike is a very interesting guy. He's like my brother from another mother. I love Mike, uh, an amazing guy. He was he found the quilt industry because he was selling uh, Stella Lights. You probably know that company or remember yeah. that company. Yeah. So he was he and his friend were kind of behind that or they were working with that. So, you know, years ago, he... He came to quilt market, you know, with this light and he was like, oh yeah, oh my God. You know, like a lot of people who don't know what our world is like, you know, they come in and they're like, Okay, Like, I had no idea. I had and no idea this big world yeah, exists. Exactly. And he saw that and was so inspired by it. And he had dreams long ago of, like, being a, a documentary filmmaker. He actually played minor league baseball. Just this interesting person. And he was like, he looked at the, the magazine situation, right? And by this time, I had left and Porter. I was in grad school. Uh, and I was, like, doing my own thing and, and studying quilt history and things. But not not working in the industry so much. Guesting on the show sometimes. But that's right. So Mike looked at the publishing lamp landscape in quilts in the quilt world. And he was like, where are the stories? Like there's how to, and there's like patterns, but that's, that's it. And he was absolutely right. I mean, Quilter's newsletter, you probably remember Quilter's newsletter, like back in the day, Quilter's newsletter. I mean, it's the first magazine that was made for quilters. Bonnie Lehman started it at her kitchen table in like 1968 or something. And there was so much good content in that magazine. There was, you know, history stuff. There was, um, you know, people write an article, sending them in, there was like analysis. Great. And over the, years, you know, it just became, and it's closed now because sorry, the company that owned it just completely ran it into the ground. It's a tragedy. Yeah, so there were so no, sad. I know there were no magazines that had what's what really this whole thing is about, which is connection and stories and people, like, people make quilts. So Mike's like, there ought to be a magazine that doesn't have ads because ads are often, you know, just not that attractive. I mean, they they serve their purpose, but they're not, you know, artful, whatever. And he's like, really beautiful photography needs to exist for the people who make these quilts. He's like, I'm going to start a magazine. I'm going to call it Quilt Folk. It's going to be thick, like, like perfect bound, like 164 pages, no ads, and we'll go state by state, quarterly. It's a quarterly magazine. And he's like, we'll go state by state and investigate and and give profiles of the quilters in that state, you know? And there's I think 12 feature articles in every magazine, more when I was editor, because I just couldn't say no to like really great stories. So I'd pack them in, much to the distress of everyone who was working I with love me. But, that. <laughs> yeah. And the the photographs are absolutely gorgeous. If you've seen quilt folk, you yeah. know, I mean, it's just, it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful magazine and so i became editor like editorial i think it was so uh, something I, I clawed my way up the corporate ladder i say like within an issue or two to be <laughs> editor in chief and it was it's just been the most wonderful thing i mean i Quiltful matters and and it's it's inclusive it's the styles of quilts that we look at are dynamic and you know we went to kentucky and, and we were planning the issue and i was like i need horses like we got to have a horse story a horse you know, quilt person, find me like a horse, you know, uh,
0: gotta be some of those in Kentucky, right? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And we, we found this woman. She was amazing. We hung quilts on barn and she was, we actually have a quilt on a horse, which I was really happy about, but this beautiful landscape in Kentucky and her story and her husband and where they live and the quilts that she makes. We went to Nevada and I was like, we got to find a showgirl there because everyone quilts. There's always, I would find like the landscape or the state and look at that and then find the quilts within it because there's, there are cultures from sea to shining sea. We know that rich, poor, every race, color, creed, everybody makes quilts. It. And so we could find amazing stories wherever we went. And the magazine is uh, producing right now, the uh, Maryland issue, issue 21, I think, 22.
0: So in that role, you're, are you sewing much yourself or, or do you, is it just primarily writing and, mm-hmm. and, and all of this sort of investigative kind of work where you're trying to find these cool stories?
1: Yeah. It's um, there's no, there are no patterns in cool folk. I didn't mention that no patterns uh, it's, it's just stories. And so, and this photography, so I'm helping find stories in the different States at this point and doing a lot of writing. I used to, cause we travel there. I mean, we, obviously go there. And so for years I was, you know, helping to produce the trips and I was on location doing style shoot, you know, the styling and everything. So um, yeah. So how has has
0: the pandemic impacted
1: that? God, I mean, when, when everything happened, we did Nevada and I got back like on like March 12th or something. I mean, it was happening. It was all descending in 2020. Yeah. And we got back and Mike and I got on the phone and I was like, what are we going to do? We're a travel magazine and we can't travel, <laughs> you know, we're about people and we can't, you know, be with people. And, and it was all so terrifying. And so we put our heads together and and I was like, well, why don't we, we have to do something that we could do again, because it, who knows how long this is going to last. Right. So I was like, instead of focusing on a state, let why don't we focus on a theme, like a, a theme that is present in quote making. And so it's like, okay, there's charity, family, friendship, love, marriage, you know? Uh, and so it was like, yeah, that could work. And so we did issue 16 is family, the family issue. And we solicited writing from our readership and we never, we don't do that. Usually we write our stuff in house. And what was amazing is we got had incredible stories hundreds of them from people who had all these stories to tell and so we picked a, a huge lineup of them and ran ran stories from our readers of family and quilts and and every you know story had a very specific family connection and it was awesome to see the stories that came in because these were our readers and they were just amazing people you know from every part of the country doing every style of quilts it was awesome
0: Awesome. That, that, that's super cool. I love the you words that you that you used there for your themes. It just so fits the industry yeah. as a whole, right? Totally. It's just, Absolutely. I, I was on a podcast uh, with another with another guest, and we were yeah. talking about that very thing. Just how full of good people, oh both both within the industry and and mm-hmm. and, and the participants and and hobbyists. Uh, there's just something different about that segment of people in our society, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I I can't necessarily put my finger on it, but they just seem to be the best people out there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, the insurance industry is full of lovely people as well. And, and you know, every industry has has uh, you know community and all that. But at the heart of what we do, at the heart of what we do, we are making things that are really special. I mean, quilts are really unusual objects. It's like, yes. I, I call them priceless, worthless objects. It's like they are, you know, how much can you sell most quilts for in the marketplace? Very little. I mean, they just, I yeah. don't sell when I tell people, you know, that I'm in the quilt industry, a lot of people, most people think I sell quilts. And it's like very few people, very few people these days are selling quilts. And so if you tried to sell a quilt on the market, you just wouldn't get much for it. But in your family, if this is a, a very important quilt in your family, you couldn't put a price on it's it. So priceless. it's just, yeah. It's priceless. It's priceless. It's really interesting. And it's a creative outlet and it's history, specifically, you know, women's history, history of like, you know, disenfranchised people, but it's like all of these things. And that's what's at the core of what we do. And it's like, yeah, we have some pretty cool people because to be attracted to that you know, you gotta be kind of awesome. That's what yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I've got a, I've got a huge king size quilt, uh, yes. of my favorite team, LSU nice. hang, hanging on the wall in my nice. office here that, that, uh, awesome. Joyce, one of our owners had made for yeah. me. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't put a price on this yeah. thing I mean, the you hours that went into it? making it, you know, exactly. I mean, exactly. it's got like little tiger paws as the quilt oh. pattern, you know, oh, and little so Jersey, you know, squares. Exactly. I mean, using LSU fabric. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's priceless, and at, at home I've got an old quilt of uh, my grandmother mm. made, just a you know patchwork from scrap junky yeah. fabric. That's yeah. and the whole thing is not really it's it's hand tacked actually, um, yeah. so it's wow. not really quilted mm-hmm. per se. It's just tacked with mm-hmm. with yarn, yeah. and I mean that thing is so old. But I love that so thing. Cool. I sit in my chair with that. That thing is great.
1: I, I love a, a tacked quilt or a tied quilt. I mean, you know, we love our long armors. We love our domestic machine quilters and our beautiful, you know, machine quilting thread from, you know, a sulky. Yeah. And, and we love all this. But But, you know, when you tie a quilt, you know, it really is. It's interesting. If you really, really, really quilt a quilt hardcore on a machine, it's not that warm. Right. right. Because it's, you know, but with a Tide quilt, you have that heat gets trapped in the, in the quilt more easily because you have these tufts, you know, these, these places, it's, it's just, uh, it's fluffier. Oh, I right? And I never so, even thought about that, but you're I so just, right. It's, it's true. I love Tide quilts. And I, I was like, why do I love them so much? And I was like, oh, they're cozier.
0: Yeah, the the, the one that right. I have, yeah. my that my grandmother made, uh, is very much that way. And it is yeah. uh, now you, now that I think about it, it is quite warm. But the the, the batting she used literally was uh, made. It not made. It was a blanket from uh, a time yeah. when my grandfather was in the amazing. hospital, wow. suffering from burns. Like he had like seventy wow. percent of his body burnt, oh, and yeah. and these were the blankets that they took
1: back out of the hospital because oh, you know, they were saving
0: everything. Uh, amazing. And that was the batting that
1: she used in this That's thing. Crazy. That, That's that crazy. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I saw a, um, yeah, talk about priceless, right? Yeah. I saw a, a quilt a woman showed me in the back of her car. Uh, I was at a gig years ago and she showed me a quilt her mother had made in the Great Depression and newspaper was the batting. Newspaper wow. was newspaper. the batting in that quilt. Yeah, for real. I was like, oh, wow, that was all they had. It was wow. cool. I'm
0: sure you've made. Your share of gifts, right? And, and, yeah. and, you know, you just said things like that are priceless. And I know a lot of people don't really understand or sometimes don't appreciate that unless mm-hmm. they kind of know somebody who does this and know the amount of time it takes. But mm-hmm. have you ever, does anything stick out in your mind, particularly a gift that you've made for somebody that holds special meaning?
1: <laughs> okay. Yes. I have a funny story. I mean, this is the first thing that comes to mind, which is ridiculous. I mean, I've made quilts of valor, which are so special, you know, oh, to give yeah. to. I I love that organization. It's so good. Um, And so that's probably what I should lead with. Right. But what jumped into my <laughs> mind immediately is, oh my God. So I am married now, love of my life. Like met him. We got married four months later. It'll be three years, you know, and I just love him more every day. So that that's, that's great. But before I met him, you know, I, I dated, I was a bachelorette, you know, in Chicago and, and it was uh, great. And I, one of the guys I dated was a, uh, he was a stock trader uh, okay. who uh, he had, you know, all these, you know, cars and like all the, and it was like really fun, you know, to date him and, and whatever, but, but he, he, oh God, I don't want to speak disparagingly about him, but he was an odd duck. Okay. He was kind of an odd duck. Like we won't say his name. You can you talk know, about him all yeah, you want. Know. Yeah, exactly. So he, so he was kind of strange, but, but he went to law school and I, I maintain, I got him into law school because I really helped him with his letter. And he, I, I don't know, it was, it was a, a strange thing anyway. But the point is he would go to law school classes. And when I say he was odd, he really was, I had given him a quilt. In fact, I gave him a quilt, my quilt called Emeralds, which was the only quilt I ever had on the cover of Fonson Porter's uh, Love of Quilting magazine. And I didn't even know it was going to be on the cover. I got the magazine one day. I was like, oh my God. So this is like, like, wow. But uh, I gave him that quilt before that was featured on the cover and because, you know, he loved it. And I was like, yeah, you know, so he told me later that when he went to his classes at law school, this was after we broke up, he would take the quilt into class and wrap up in it. That would yes. be a sight. I mean, can dude, you imagine? it was Northwestern <laughs> Law School. I was like, dude, you can't do that. Like, that's so strange. So that's a gift I gave. A quilt. It was just so weird. What a know.
0: funny story. That's right. awesome. I could just see this guy huddled up in his law class with his God. quilt wrapped around him.
1: Um, oh, I, I was it. like, if, if it's gold in there, like, you can wear a sweater. It was, it was a very strange thing. But,
0: you know. So yeah. when you broke up, did, did, did he keep his quilt?
1: Yes. I was like, I couldn't ask for it back, but man, that's like, it was a pretty good one. It was a pretty good quilt. So yeah, I I didn't ask for it back. (laughs) That's Once you give funny. them, you never know. You never know yeah, what you're
0: going to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know that uh, you know certainly the Fonz and Porter name has been attached to all sorts of sewing products and and pattern. I mean, magazines. Hold on, yours. But in, in terms of of products, what are what are some of your favorite things? Notions, you know, nifty gadgets, you know, stuff sure. like that. What what what's something that you've been on your radar lately?
1: Well. I'd say, uh, when I was with Fons and Porter, uh, you know, for a long time, I, I used only Fons and Porter products and, okay. and I didn't ever think about it, but when I, my husband and I are in Chicago now, but we've been spending a lot of time in London for his job. And so I was at the Birmingham Festival of Quilts in Manchester. Oh, cool! It was, have you been there? It's so I've cool. never
0: been to that show. I've heard a lot about it and I'd like to go someday, but yeah, never, never had the opportunity.
1: It's really a great show. I had never been either. And it's not a juried show. Like anyone who wants to show a quilt at the Festival of Quilts can do it. And I, I didn't know that. So I walked in and I was like, this is the best quilt show I've ever been to because some of the quilts were pretty rough. And I love that. I, I you know, I love a tied quilt. I love yeah. it. It's not perfect. you know. Anyway, so I went there and in London, I didn't have much At all in the way of sewing supplies, because we went there and I don't have a machine there or anything. So I was at this festival and I went to the vendor, like the cavernous vendor thing was so great. So many beautiful things to buy and notions and everything. And I realized I've never, this sounds so gross, maybe, but I've never, (laughs) I've never bought my own notions. Because they just were always there, uh, and like yeah. if I say, it It sounds like such a princess no, thing to say. Not it. so at no, all. It's no, it was just
0: the, the way it was. Right, it, it, is, like, it is what it is. Right, yeah. It as is much it is.
1: as I hate that saying, sometimes it is, say it is what it is. My husband, <laughs> my Eric, hates that saying too. I can't say it, and I'm like, oh, it would really fit in the situation, but I'm not going to say it. But yes, exactly. It was so empowering, and maybe this sounds so dumb, but it was so empowering to go to these vendors and buy notions that I liked that I wanted to buy thread that I wanted. And it, you know, it was applique thread, just, you know, really good all purpose thread. I bought notions, I bought my own seam ripper and it was so weird. I had no idea that was going to feel that way. I had no idea it mattered, but having this ownership of my quilting practice, if you will, right. is really powerful. And so Quite now I'm like really selective and like, I get the best stuff that I need for that particular yeah. you know, project or whatever. And it, it feels really good. So that's kind of my answer on notions. It's a strange experience that I had but it was really cool. Uh,
0: That is pretty cool. And You're obviously a talented person outside of sewing, right? Uh, (laughs) And and probably have lots of different opportunities to do other things. But what what is it about sewing that made you like, no, this is where I want to make my living. This Mm -hmm. is what I want to do.
1: Well, thanks for asking me that. Yeah, that's really, really important question. Quilt Folk has been my life for, for many years now. When I stepped down as editor, part of the reason I did that is I'm working on a documentary project about the history of quilts in America, and we're hoping to sell it to a major studio. I've got an agent in LA, all that stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, I want it to, I know I want it to happen like as of two years ago, but this stuff takes forever. And I'm, I'm okay with that, but my interest, you know, I do make quilts. I've almost finished my COVID quilt. It's really close. I refuse to take it into 2022. <laughs> no, we are finishing this thing That's now, right. and let's it's, put that to bed, okay? Please. <laughs> so it's applique, and it's it's really fun. So, but a couple of years ago, I don't know more than a couple, I started to really be interested most of all in the history of quilts and the culture of quilts in America and by that I mean there are quilts in fashion there are quilts in fine art museums obviously not just as quilts but used in sculpture and in painting there are quilts you know that are featured in mainstream you know newspapers there's quilts on celebrities right walking down the red carpet and I think it started when I was looking for inspiration for my next quilt and I picked up a book of quilts from like I mean it was a book that was created for the quilt documentation projects Remember when everybody was doing like the quilt documentation project in Kentucky and in yeah, Tennessee, yeah. right. They all, they, so many of these projects made books. And so in the nineties and some into the two eighties and nineties and two thousands, you have these amazing books that are now out of print. You can get them online and they have vintage quilts, old antique quilts, right. Beautiful pictures of them, stories of the people who made them. And so I started to see that like quilts were way more than pretty blankets that I liked to make. They go so deep. They tell the story of America. They tell the story of, I mean, technology, like you can trace the history of America through quilts. I mean, in the 1930s, you know, that green that like, I don't really like that color of green that's in all those depression era quilts, like mint green. Well, people were nuts about that color. It couldn't, it, it wasn't, it didn't exist before because the dye technology didn't exist to make it. And so like you see the different substrates and you see the different styles of quilts, over the decades. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm interested in everything, Jason. Like I want to know like philosophy, art, fashion, economics, you know, history, like I love it all. And that's a really hard thing to study or examine because it's just a lot of stuff.
0: A a lot of uh, moving parts there to figure out, right?
1: Exactly. But if you go in through quilts, you have access to all of that. If you pick a quilt, you know, that was made in, you know, 1825 in Vermont, and you really look at that quilt and you investigate it and take a look, you can learn about Vermont history. You can learn about the history of quilts, you know, in 1820. So like, it's so important. I mean, I'm really glad you asked me that question because like I wasn't doing quilts before, you know, I came on my mom's show and everything. I was a writer, performer in Chicago, making a living as a freelancer, making content that wasn't quilt content, but I kind of got sucked into this thing, but it's changed. It's not just about making quilts. And I, I gotta be honest, I don't want to teach another quarter square <laughs> triangle tutorial as long as I live. So now I'm doing other things, lecturing on quilt history. Uh, I debut lectures at QuiltCon every year. I did a lecture about quilts and mental health last year. I did a lecture on the AIDS quilt. So it's like, I want to know the culture of this whole thing. And right now what I'm working on that I love is a, a live broadcast. It's a live show on Twitch uh, and okay. it multi-streams to YouTube. It's called quilt nerd I started it four uh, months ago and it's I've never had more fun it is so much fun I share my screen it's it's not zoom it's twitch and so it's a live streaming okay. platform and I pull together content for everybody to look at with me and so we look at quilts and it's really fun actually last night just really quick I have to say so you go to uh, twitch.tv slash yo mary and Good, I was gonna
0: ask you for that address thank you for
1: our and, listeners. and yo mary Fons is my instagram handle too and and so okay. on the show like it's about 2 hours sometimes we've gone 3 hours nerding out on quilts and there's a chat obviously and people are chatting so it's, it's just like, so like, a, like like you're just hanging out with these folks yeah. looking yeah. at quilt stuff that's right. That's right. Looking at cool stuff, Letting. <laughs> going down the rabbit hole. It's so That's cool, Jason. Awesome. It's so much fun. Oh my God. And just to give you kind of an idea, although this is the first time it happened, but a friend of mine long ago, we decided there should be a drinking game. Okay. Like I have never played drinking games, but, but you know, we know they exist and it's like, okay, we should do, we should do a drinking game that every time we read anything in the media that says these aren't your grandmother's quilts, uh-huh. we, we do, we do a shot. Okay, <laughs> because It's so tiresome. Like that line, it gets like pulled out so much we hate that it so much. It's hilarious.
0: Yeah. How many times you know, have I heard that?
1: Oh my God. And so I told the quilt nerd audience, which is growing really quickly. It's so, it's so awesome. And I said, you know, if I'm going to say it now, you know, if we ever come across that on the show, if I'm like, you know, finding an article to read to you guys, or like, we're looking at different things and, and we come across it we're going to do a shot. And I was preparing the, the the material yesterday. I was in Walgreens, like looking at this article about Beth Gutchen, Okay. And Jeffrey Gutchen, like back in the seventies in the New York times. And I was like, Oh, I can't wait to share this with these people. Like this is nerd stuff. I'm telling you it's so much fun. But I, I I read in this article, these aren't, you know, your grandmother's quilts. And I was like, Oh no. So I had to go buy a bottle of tequila and I did a shot on the show last night. That's, that's <laughs> so fantastic. It was really, it was really cool. I, really.
0: Uh, oh, I absolutely love it. <laughs> you got to watch out. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> What a neat, what a neat thing. I have to check out uh, Twitch. I, I, I didn't even know. I don't even know what that is, honestly. So yeah, you, just, a, you just,
1: you just, you just, you just taught me something. That's good. That's good. Video gamers use Twitch, but there's other content on Twitch and it's just a great platform for live streaming. It was built okay. for that. Amazon bought it years ago. So it's like an Amazon property now, okay. but it's, it's really good. I'm it's gonna good check that. that out. Yeah, I hope you do. So, you know,
0: I mean, this industry obviously full of, you know, m- m- most of the influencers in this industry are women, you know, mm-hmm. live of yeah. strong women uh, mm-hmm. that have made fantastic careers for themselves mm-hmm. and uh, just done a lot of amazing stuff. But I mean, your mom and, and Liz are well known names, giants, if you will, yeah, yeah, in this mm-hmm. industry. Who do you admire in this mm-hmm. business? Uh, who do you look up to? Maybe who's had, you know, significant impact mm-hmm. in your quilting journey mm-hmm. and career?
1: Thanks for the question. It's nice to be able to say that, right? To say who who I really admire. Jenny Doan was so, it was so, uh, Powerful. She came on. I did a like a mini series thing for PBS. I think there were like six episodes or something called Quilt with the Stars. Right. This was early on in my in my career, and Jenny Doan was uh, on the the Love of Quilting. You know, the main show. Right, and right. then And she was there in Iowa. So you know, we sat down at a table. That was the format of the show. And I asked these different people about quilts and everything. And I had never met Jenny Doan. And to be honest with you, I did not know. I was. I'm so glad I didn't know what a big deal she was because I would have been really nervous but I got the picture that she was this force, you know, and we sat down at the table and I was so green. I mean, I was just like, oh God, trying so hard to not, you know, be hated, literally be hated by like (laughs) the audience, like millions of quilters in America. And Jenny and I, there's no other way to say it. And she would tell the same story. We like bonded in that conversation. We both got teary eyed talking about something. I can't remember what it was, but we were like, we like zapped and she has just been, I just admire her so much. I, I i am very, very like proud to say that, you know, Jenny Doan is a friend. And so That's she awesome. was, yeah, she was so great. And she always, she's just kind of like, I just feel sort of protected by her. Like, I think she knew like how tough it was for me at the beginning. So I really appreciate her. And then, you know, it's the, it's the historians, Barbara Brackman. I mean, we have no idea. Most people have no idea how central a figure this is in everything that we do. You know, she wrote the Encyclopedia of Pieced Quilt Patterns, which is now in its third edition. She went through and cataloged, all the blocks. I mean, we have this amazing scholarship. You know, the collectors, Rod Kirikoff is a a good friend of mine, Quiltful, just uh, published the second edition of his cult classic book, uh, Unconventional and Unexpected, uh, American Quilts Below the Radar. So Rod Kirikoff is this collector who's just amazing. He lives in San Francisco and he collects quilts from like the 1940s to the 70s-ish. So like cool, like polyester quilts and like just amazing improvisationally pieced, a lot of them from the American South. Anyway, this book is a classic and it was out of print. And so I worked with Rod, you know, over the past year to produce worked with Mike and Rod to produce uh, the second edition, which is out now. And so he's somebody I admire, like the people who keep quilts safe, the people who oh, study man. them and work hard to, to keep our history alive. I, I admire those people too. And then people like Jenny Doan, Yeah. And so many people in the industry, Jason. I mean, it's like Moda, you know, I mean, uh, Lisa Moda, amazing. Like just these awesome people who keep these businesses vibrant yeah. and available for us to make our work. It's so, it's so great. I
0: love, I love your knowledge of of all things quilting and the Ooh. history and and all these aspects of it. You know, right. it's, it's sometimes lost on a lot of people. They get so focused on on just doing quilting, right. you right. know, and the act of making quilts and stuff, and, and right. forget about this cool, rich history too right. that that you seem to be so into.
1: It's it, the thing is, I've said to people like, you don't ever have to nerd out, you know, on the on the history stuff. But if you look a little bit closer, it makes it even better it's like even like enriches what we do because you realize, and this is kind of like a lofty thing to say, but when you make a quilt, you are part of a legacy of right. American quilt makers. I mean, you really are part of this amazing history. And so if you just look back a little bit at like, what were the quilts they were making in the eighties and why did they do that? And a lot of people forget the younger uh, set, you know, which by which I mean, you know, 50 and younger, yeah, right, or younger right. than that, right? But we forget that women, the quilters who were in their sixties and seventies and up now, they were our age when they started. Right. And it's like, we're going to be them. <laughs> like we're, you know, we're getting <laughs> older every day. And so when the new quilters are starting to come up, the younger quilters, you know, we have history to share with them. I mean, at some point, modern quilts will be vintage.
0: Yeah. you that, know, That's just such an interesting thing to it's think crazy. about. Yeah. That, is, that is crazy. So, you know, obviously quilting is is your thing, but is there, is there something else, sewing, embroidery, handwork, something else that you've always wanted to sew, but you just haven't had a chance to try yet? And like sort yeah. of a sewing bucket list for you?
1: <laughs> totally. Um, my mom back, uh, when we were growing up in Iowa, um, She had amazing cross stitch. I mean, she did really cool and framed them under glass and really great. And it was, you know, I'm a writer and there were, you know, alphabets on that and words and just beautiful pictorial scenes. And my favorite kind of quilts are pictorial quilts. Like, and I like the ones that are kind of rough. Like, if you've ever seen, well, I like, I like, I like it when anytime there's a quilt that has an animal embroidered, I mean, in, um, onto it. And you can't really tell if it's like a moose or right, a dog, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> that's my favorite kind of quilt. I love it so much. And, and so animals and words, I really like that. And the cross stitch that my mom used to do had those elements. And so, I mean, cross stitch, like I'm coming for you. I am. I'm coming for you.
0: Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Well, we have some good products for that. You uh, do the thread. Yeah. Our 12 weight cotton, know. our 12 cotton is perfect for cross-stitch so when you get ready to branch out you let me know
1: listen I will and you know what I said with my industry contacts you know it's true Jason I could probably be like hey can you hook me up with like yeah. a 12-way gun but I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not doing it I am gonna buy my uh, own supplies I'm serious well yeah. know, okay. we can we can work it out but I but it really is uh, exciting and thrilling to have new projects you know so cross-stitch and cross-stitch
0: so, like, is Mary Fawn's Bucket list sewing item. I love it. It's true. The cool thing about cross stitch, I mean, really hand embroidery, cross stitch, Mm -hmm. you know, needle, needle punch, all those things, Mm -hmm. the portableness of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. and the wide market Mm -hmm. possibility. For those hobbies, is is so much different because the barrier to entry, right, is yeah. is it's almost non-existent. I mean, you can buy exactly. a skein of floss or a, a spool of bulky twelve-weight cotton yeah. for a few bucks, and you're ready to start. You know, it's, a it's needle so- and some thread—that's it—and and some some fabric to, to go
1: on. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. I, and and I think hexies when they were so popular, it's not quite as popular as it was there for a minute. You probably remember with the moderns like the hexy craze. But I think part of the reason that was was appealing is that you yeah you could take it to the doctor's office if your kid was you know going to the doctor's office and I saw girls on the train one time I saw two girls sewing hexies on the train in Chicago wow. so you're right about the cross stitch is totally the same I hadn't even thought of that that's so true so
0: see you can you know you can spread that joy when you, yeah. you because you know I, I guarantee you're gonna love it when you start doing it and you're like mm-hmm. oh my god it's gonna blow up and you're doing yeah. it all the time so
1: yeah. share share it with everybody you know well I, I absolutely <laughs> will I gotta find a good pattern so are you sewing are you sewing anything right now? Yep. My COVID quilt, which is a pictorial quilt. I've, I purposely put an animal on the quilt that you can't tell what it is. It could be a cat. I, I mean, seriously, I cut it out by hand. Everything is cut out by hand. And it's, it's a, it's a pictorial quilt. It's, it says, you know, stay safe, USA, one love, stop COVID-19. And, you know, I can send you a, a picture of it. It's, I'm really oh, proud I'd love to it. see that. Yeah. It's, it looks, it's not good, you know, like, like the series. <laughs> it's that, not it's, good. I, I love it. I love it. But part of the thing that happened when I got out of the Fonz and Porter game, I realized all the quilts I used to make were really, they were for something. They were for the show or they were for the magazine. We were going to use them on the show to teach a certain Uh technique. uh And I was super creative in my own way. And I made quilts that I love mostly, but when I, you know, you can't write a pattern for the quilts that I make now. And I like it that way, you know? And so, so it's just really free and I'm really, really proud of it. And doing this kind of stuff is really my, my jam. And by the way, I have a sulky question. Sure. What thread would you recommend for hand, like needle turned applique? What is, cause I'm kind of, kind of using what I had and I don't know if that's oh, wow. the way to go.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not a sort of traditionalist uh, yeah. and worry about fiber types, mm-hmm. our poly light thread is a really okay. lightweight, 60 uh, weight polyester okay. is really, really good for that. And, you know, becomes really invisible when, oh, you, nice. when you use that product. That's, so there you go
1: literally wrote it down. That's awesome. Cause I've just been, yeah, using what I had. and Cool. You, you yeah. Know. You want something,
0: yeah. You want something really light for that typically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right on. So yeah, obviously quilting, sewing, but what, you know, when you're not doing those things, what, what other things interest you? What other hobbies, activities, what, what would we see on your personal Facebook page of your latest adventure doing besides, besides sewing?
1: Well, London is, is kind of a hobby right now. My husband's job took us over there last year During a pandemic, it was very weird and stressful, but, uh, (laughs) but we did it and we're all good. Um, you can't get on a plane without tests and stuff. And so, but it was still totally weird, but London is. So have you ever been to London, Jason? Have I have not. In fact,
0: the pandemic, uh, London for me was uh, a yeah. tragedy of this pandemic. No. My, my youngest daughter uh, graduated high school. Actually, excuse me, it, it was really for my oldest daughter's graduation. Yeah. My kids are only 11 months apart, but my uh, between each of their graduation years was right when the pandemic hit, right? So my uh, my, my oldest daughter graduated uh, in 2020 and my youngest mm-hmm. in 2021. So like literally between there, we had planned a big trip to Europe that was going to be for their graduation. Sure. So we were supposed to go to London and spend some time mm-hmm. there, some time in Paris and Dublin yeah. and just it was going to be a fun trip. And uh, that trip was <laughs> a casualty of the pandemic. So no, I have uh, not gotten to experience London yet.
1: Well, have you guys got plans to to reboot, you know. Yeah, eventually. Eventually. You know? Yeah. I I'm
0: hopeful that yeah. uh, eventually um you know the the word COVID will be ancient history and yes know, like, yes
1: brother yes you know, that's
0: not going to be something that we even have to discuss oh, wow. and talk about and yeah uh, you know but until until that happens right mm-hmm. it's you know international travel just I
1: know
0: I don't know I, I I say that and we went to Mexico this this year actually for spring yeah, yeah. break so yeah. um,
1: but anyway it, it's it's it is it is your what hobby is. oh god yeah,
0: your hobby is London <laughs> yeah. what, oh, yeah. what about
1: it yeah well London is. There's a famous quote. I can't remember who said it, but when a man is tired of London, he is tired of life. And it's, it's like, there's so much in London. Like London is, is a 2000 year old city. Like it was a Roman outpost, right? Yeah. So it is old and like Eric and I will walk and we learned London during the pandemic, which was really interesting. Cause we just rode bikes all over the city. We didn't, you know, we weren't going inside, yeah. even if you could, we were like, no. So we rode bikes everywhere and there wasn't a lot of people around or cars. And so we could really kind of learn, learn the city, which is Not easy, but, but you walk past, you know, you're just like walking down the street, like going to get some falafel or something and you pass a building with a plaque on it that says built in 1607 or, or like, you know, monument erected 1726, or you pass, you pass a a plaque. They have all these beautiful blue plaques all over the city that say historic people like who lived there, T.S. Eliot you know, right there. Mozart, we lived, we had a, like an Airbnb-ish kind of thing last year where we stayed and Mozart spent six months in London, you know, in forget what year. And there's his name, you know, on the plaque. So like there's, there's so much in London and it's so old. Part of the thing about it being old, that's so encouraging. If this makes sense, it's seen everything. Right. Like it's seen pandemics come and go. It has seen people millions, billions of people who have right. lived there, died there, made work there. World and there's Wars. some <laughs> Yes, exactly. The blitz, like it's been through everything and it's like, we're going to make it, you know, like we're going to make uh, it. London is proof that like, we're going to make it. And there's something about it being so old and just like, yeah, this is the way it goes. Like time marches on. It's really comforting. America's, we're babies, you know, in right. so many ways, in so many ways we're babies, but like the oldest building in Chicago, it's just not that old, but in London, they, can they, have, be like, they have
0: businesses and, and yeah. breweries and restaurants older yes. than our country. You know? Oh yeah.
1: yeah. It's, oh, it's my amazing. God. It's yeah, it is amazing. But we haven't, you were saying, you know, you haven't been to, you haven't done the Paris London trip. We haven't either. We, because we don't, you know, it's COVID. So like we can go to Paris later, right. When that word is not on our lips anymore. (laughs) Totally the same thing, but we did go to Budapest because my mom, uh, yeah. And my younger sister, my stepdad and and my brother-in-law, they took a cruise, which I thought was kind of crazy, but they took a cruise and that was going to take them through Budapest. And so Eric and I were like, well, you know, there's no restrictions for this and there's no restrictions for that. And like, we're super vigilant about, about travel. And so we did. We, it was the first trip we've taken outside of London. I mean, we've like driven to oh, Birmingham cool. and stuff. Yeah, it was so it was so awesome. And so we really like living there. And we haven't even done the exploration of Europe that you usually would right, completely right. do. I haven't been to Paris, man. Oh, man. So are you, are you in London right now? I'm in Chicago now. We came oh, okay. home for a couple months and then okay. we're trying to figure out what the heck we're doing but
0: okay yeah. yeah cool well if we make it back or if we make it back we didn't make it the first oh. time if, if we yeah. actually make it back to europe i guess that's what i wanted to say i've been to europe yeah. numerous times but yeah. uh okay. if we can, if we get to london and you're there we'll have to check you out
1: listen really jason please let me know if you go there if at the very least like i have really good suggestions for like neighborhoods where it's you know, great restaurants or you know stuff that you just should totally do like as somebody new in the city because sure. i'm still very much and so, yeah. please drop me a line if you go, and I'll oh, just I'll be like, hit this place, hit that neighborhood. You know, I will
0: definitely take you up on that. I nightmare. hope so. I hope so. You you obviously haven't listened to any of our podcasts yet. We haven't launched any, but uh, one of the questions that I like to end with is, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of always said as an industry that we're really not selling thread, notions, mm-hmm. fabric, any of that, but the sort of this feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that comes with mm-hmm. creating. Mm-hmm. Do, do you believe that? And and mm-hmm
1: and 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 how
0: would you say that thing, if you believe in it, uh, has affected um, your sewing journey?
1: This is a great podcast, Jason. These are really good <laughs> questions and really are. I mean, it's it's like that's what's the important stuff. So with my travel, you know, as a lecturer, teacher, my travel as an editor with Quilt Folk. And now the work I'm doing with the broadcast on Twitch and, and just all the lecturing and all that, there is a through line and it is that people are rewarded by, you know, the creative process. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be right, whatever that is, but with a quilt, you you get that with a quilt, but what you get beyond that, you know, you get this creative process, but then you have a quilt at the end of it. (laughs) So like you can be creative. You can, you know, you can like put together a, you know, a ship thing, you know, you can do like model cards, like you can do all this kinds of stuff and it's creative and it's fun. You can make paintings and all, but when you make a quilt, you have all of that, that process enjoyment. You, some people say I Zen out, I get into the zone, you know, I can forget my troubles or whatever. So you do all that. But then at the end, you have an object that can be given as a gift that can be kept in your own home, but it's a functional object. You sleep under it, you have a picnic on it. You can hang it on the wall as art like you have in your office. It has all of these functions. It's a very, very special piece of our material culture, people all over the world make quilts. And so you do all this stuff and you get to, you get to pick out the thread and you get to pick out your fabric and your pattern, or you just get to riff and you do all that. And that's that enjoyment. But then you have the enjoyment of, of having a quilt in the world and there's just nothing like it. So it's really, it's really special. And it's why I continue to do it. I, I, I make quilts for all the reasons that, you know, we've talked about and I make them because they've, they ground you in a way. I I believe that. So, so yeah, I'm a fan. I'm not going anywhere. I'm the quilt nerd that I just can't obviously I mean I love to talk about this stuff I just I just love it so nerd out with me anytime <laughs> yeah
0: well what a, that's I can't think of a better way to end right that that was that was spot on right there so yeah uh, you know, thanks for your thoughtfulness and uh, what you're bringing to the industry it's refreshing and, and uh, I like
1: hearing it well Jason it's a it's an honor to be asked to be on one of the maiden episodes it really is and I appreciate it and, and I, I'm a huge fan of Ellen March she another person you know I've known for a while and she's she's awesome so thank well, you to fact. everybody at sulky you know yeah,
0: thank you for being on today I, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking with you again in the future at some show or maybe it'll be in London on a, oh. on a fun trip
1: heck yeah I'm uh, yes I'm there for it
0: <laughs> Awesome. well well thanks again Mary um, and uh, we'll talk soon thank you for listening to why so with sulky. Give us a rating or a review, and be sure to shop your favorite Sulky products, including threads, stabilizers, kits, and more at sulky.com.